Hey guys, welcome to the Remote Working Show by Remote Tools. I'm your host Karthik, and on this show, we talk to leaders from top remote companies and gather their thoughts around everything remote. The Remote Working Show is powered by Flexible, a network of the best freelance developers and designers. In this season, we are going to be talking to early stage and fast growing startups who, as one can imagine, are in the early part of their remote working journey. Today, we have with us Christophe Pasquier, founder and CEO of Slight. He's not new to entrepreneurship. Before Slight, he had already founded two other startups and also dabbled in a bit of freelancing. He's been working on Slight for about four years now. Slight, as Chris describes it, is the first note taking app for teams. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show and thanks for taking time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Firstly, I need to tell you, I'm also a user of Slight. Really enjoy the product, love it. Uh, totally awesome. think that you guys are solving an amazing problem. <laughs> really cool to hear. Great. Uh, so uh, before we delve into all of that, just wanted to uh, you know understand what your 2020 resolution is. Uh, well, obviously, you know, it's shifting a bit with the current situation. Mm -hmm. um, Right now, you know, the biggest part of Slight, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not talking about personal stuff, but uh, <laughs> uh, on the Slight, uh, on Slight end, um, what we are, you know, like uh, reaching um, is, is the point where we have like customers, a lot of, you know, we have thousands of uh, customers of, well, you know, users and hundreds of customers that really love the product. Uh, we are reaching this point where the product is becoming really stable. Um, and we, we, you know, manage to replace fully tools like Confluence, Google Docs, you know, personal not taking apps and so on. Mm -hmm. And so we are in this stage where really what starts to matter more is, public, you know, like distribution and marketing. Mm. And I founded this company with Pierre, uh, which is a really, really skilled uh, product developer. Mm -hmm. I myself, you know, I was in Link product. I developed the first version of the app. So, you know, like we are good on that end and we were able to build a really outstanding team because we were setting the bar. Mm. And now that we've grown, we are setting, we, we need to, you know, bring really excellent people on the marketing and go to the market side. Mm. And so that's, you know, probably the biggest uh, goal for, for 2020. Like, you know, just bring like really, really great growth and marketing experts in the team and, and uh, you know, build an outstanding uh, team from there. No, sounds great. And probably that's that's where most startups really, you know, take off and I wish you the very best. And, uh, you know, before we delve into that part of the story, can you tell us a little more about Slight, what your vision was when you started it and what your mission is even as of today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's interesting because you pitched Slight, uh, <laughs> I don't know, well, anyway, you know, like originally the, the mission of Slight, well, the what Slight was, was the not app for teams. Mm -hmm. So just a simple what, right? Like it was not driven towards like a, a greater goal or whatever. It was just a matter of tool. Right. Uh, we saw an opportunity when Slack exploded. We saw that they brought uh, the UX of uh, B2C messaging uh, to B2B mm -hmm. and it solved the, the way, you know, like uh, businesses communicated. Right. And so we thought, okay, you know, let's do the same thing, but just for all written documents because it actually sucks in larger companies. You have Google Docs, but it's all over the place. You never find yeah. what you want. Uh, it's really hard to organize as a team. Uh, Confluence is an even bigger mess. Um, so, you know, just let's bring like the experience of not taking up, but to two teams. And the thing that is interesting is this is really what was like for the first year. Mm. 
And since we launched and since we saw like hundreds of teams bringing their use case and their problems and understood what they, what they, why they, they were coming to slide for, mm-hmm. we actually saw that this was a way bigger problem and way bigger use case. We actually saw them starting to document all their work and changing their way to work mm-hmm. thanks to slides. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like just to, to, to kind of idealize a bit uh, before slides or, you know, like without a tool like slides, the team basically have a lot of meetings. Uh, they have to be collocated and they spend a lot of time just, you know, re- repeating decisions that have been taking, taken, um, uh, you know, like insights that are, have been given in a meeting, uh, you know, spending a lot of time without talking, so without being engaged in meetings. And the world after slides uh, for them uh, will be, uh, you know, less meetings, way more things that are documented in a, a central hub. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's like all the, the decisions are just transparent. You can find back what has been decided, uh, mm-hmm. what's been working on um, and so and so on. And so, you know, like we just acknowledge that, like we saw these teams working this way with slides mm-hmm. and this was bigger, or more important than the, the not app for teams that we designed initially. Like it was like way more important. Mm-hmm. And so what we do right now is really we design the tool to be the central place where all the teams could write things down. Mm-hmm. And we actually try to educate these teams to write more, to document all their work, and to actually work way more asynchronously, to, to work by writing. And, and we see that as a better way to, to work in the end. Like it's just a more thoughtful way to work where you have more times, you have less meeting, you have, you know, more transparency about, you know, what you're supposed to do, what your, uh, your boss is expecting from you and so on. So, sure. so that's, uh, you know kind of the, the bigger mission that we are going after right now. No, totally. So so the mission that I stated was something that I found in one of your earlier videos. So I guess that that was in the early part of your journey. So I think that's changed a bit as you've grown as well. And I guess that's how a startup grows. As mm. you know, over a period of time, you discover a lot more about what you're trying to solve and you adapt to a larger vision of what you're trying to do rather than what you actually started off with. So that's, that's pretty amazing. And uh, just, yeah, yeah. just because you mentioned that, you know, you're trying to ensure that people don't go into as many meetings and there is a bit of asynchronous nature to uh, the way people work and so on. So is your product targeted to remote teams itself or is there a mix between remote and non-remote teams as well? No, so it's a good question. So we are full remote. We have a lot of full remote teams that use slides, mm-hmm. uh, such as uh, Ghost, for instance, uh, among others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't target only remote teams. Like uh, we do think that remote way of working is great. Hmm. And, you know, like all the things that come with remote, like the fact that you have like built in more trust, like you can't work in remote if you don't build trust with your employees. You can't work in remote if you don't have transparency over information. You have a lot of these things that are just, you know, like that feel like constraints if you come from a co-located world. Mm -hmm. But really, like they are just better way to work. And so if you start to take these constraints and embrace them and take them as advantages, you will actually be you know, more resilience and better at everything you do. And so we basically educate all teams, not only remote ones, to work this way. Mm. And, uh, you know, we both slide this way. So we, we see remote as a great way to work and we evangelize that, that because we think that more teams should work this way. Mm. But no, I don't, I don't believe that all teams should work remote. And so, you know, slide is also for, you know, <laughs> people that are in an office. Yeah. Yeah. They, ju- they just should uh, take less meetings and, you know, uh have more quiet time sure 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 and uh you know what motivated to pick pick up this problem you know this particular problem because clearly entrepreneurship isn't new to you 
right? Because you you have mm. worked on a couple of companies before, but I I just thought those companies were very different to the kind of company that you're building at yeah. Stripe, right? So how did you suddenly end up wanting to solve such a problem? Yes, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So yeah, I, I launched to uh, you know like two projects to be honest. Like we had a customers and so on, but it never like you you know was like a profitable businesses. Mm. Uh, one in the hiring world and the other in really something differently in retail. Like we were doing uh, in Paris uh, a shoe delivery service. So you know something like a, a Zappos but on demand. Like ah. you could like anyway. <laughs> so, so you know it yeah. was like. A really weird but explicit way to describe it was basically Grubhub or Deliveroo for right. shoes. Okay. So you just picked the exact pair of shoes that you wanted. You could try and send back to the delivery guy what you didn't want. Interesting. Okay. Um, the, the, the evolution there was like the first business was just, I didn't care at all for the problem like uh, because I never hired anyone. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I, I interviewed people and I knew that there was a real business problem to solve. So I, I started on that. Like mm-hmm. I, I was inexperienced and I was like, okay, let's not launch something that is useless. Let's ask to the people that are experienced what they need mm-hmm. and solve a real life problem. Sure. Um, I, I did that. And after a year and a half, we got bored because it was not something that was, you know, like there was no passion there. Like I love my co-founder at the time, but uh, I really... We just were not interested by the the, the, the business. Uh, so, you know, like that's the first learning, like do something that you have really deep passion and purpose on solving, right? Mm. Um, and the second was really something that drove me a lot, like cabin. Uh, so the shoe delivery service was actually aimed at being something bigger. bigger. It was like the, the goal of doing, a sh- you know, like to replace shopping by something that was on demand at your door because I didn't like to shop. Mm. So this was really something that was driven by passion. Mm. Uh, I guess we we had a problem with my partner at the time, so it was not really my choice to end this. Like I, I wanted to keep on, but I uh, you know I was with the wrong person. Right. Uh, but uh, I also think that it was not something that I was expert in. So that was I was obviously doing the product and tech side on this one, but uh, I still think that I was working on a on a on something that was not deeply rooted to what I you know care about like sure. I'm not uh, you know I was actually trying to fix the problem of people that don't like to shop so it's it's actually a weird uh, setup and um, and so I was at this stage where I was like okay you know like I know that I launch I love to launch companies uh, but I I always try to launch uh, bootstrapping and so it went like really too slow for me mm-hmm. and I also try to launch something that were you know like accessible like not you know not super ambitious because I I I wanted to to have a clear path of success, you know, like kind of. I knew that these companies, both, I could sell really quickly. I could, you know, there's uh, create, you know, like uh, bring bring fun in and and just, you know, like. Uh, it, 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 I, I had a clear path of success. Right. And um, the third time, I said, okay, you know, let's try something bigger uh, mm-hmm. because I don't have all the time in the world, and I really wanted to 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 make something that had like a large impact, and maybe yeah. it was, I don't know. I don't think I have the same uh, mindset anymore, but at the time it was really important to me. Right. And um, and so I, I went to see uh, people that became friends now that were my preceding investors. Mm-hmm. And I basically launched the company Wisdom. Um, and the idea was really to dare launching something really big. So, you know, something that would replace Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that, I, I needed obviously, you know, like uh, uh, funds. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, what led me to that was just, you know, like I finally picked something that was big enough uh, for me to, you know, like uh, 
you know, um, invest years of my life. Like, you know, I really, really intend to spend on Slack. Like, I, I could spend decades on, on this <laughs> because I'm building a team to do so. And so, you know, this is actually really like a kind of an achievement in, in, on its own. Mm -hmm. um, I know that this is uh, something that I'm super, super, you know, you know, I care a lot about productivity and about these kind of tools. Yeah. Having the chance to work on one of those and make one of, you know, the best that exists out there is actually, you know, like, uh, same on its own. It's, you know, like uh, something that can, you know, make me uh, be happy to come at work every day. For sure. For um, sure. And yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that was the, like the right mix, you know, like right, um, right set of ambition, uh, really, really, you know, high impact and something that I'm super, super passionate and, and using every day. Absolutely. No, it makes a lot of sense, the evolution of an entrepreneur as well, right? You, you try a couple of different things, you learn from those experiences, and then finally you land on something that you really want to be working on for the next couple of decades. Totally relate to it as well. Yeah, exactly. Super. Yeah. So, but still, as when you started off slide, uh, it, it wasn't that uh, you immediately uh, applied to YC. There were still, I think, a couple of years in between where you were working on the product uh, you know, embellishing it bit by bit before uh, you actually applied to YC. So can you just talk us through those couple of years? Because uh, even though uh, it wasn't the typical bootstrapping way that you went through in the couple of startups yeah. before this, it was still not the venture-backed way you could have gone. So what was these yeah, two yeah. years like? And, you know, what, what? how were you able to sustain in those two years? Because this was a pure product building startup where probably revenues weren't there in the first couple of years. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, uh, I mean, two, two things that, uh, you know, will change your vision of, of that. Like, first, I, I I mean, it was kind of the venture back. Like, I launched that with a pre-seed investor. So, straight away, I had uh, money to invest and to hire the t a team. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, so, so, it was actually one of my criteria. Because we were working on something, you know, that was going to take so long. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I basically needed, uh, you know... To bring in a, a, a proper team like else i would have taken like really decades to start to launch a first product yeah um and so so you know that helped a lot and and it lasted only and you know like thanks to that it lasted only a year before we applied and got into ic oh is it okay so yeah yeah so so we we uh for, for the first year like what happened was basically i brought in a team so i found my co-founder pierre uh you know that arrived really really early in the adventure that's uh uh, that was outstanding and that, you know, built the technical team after and, mm -hmm. and you know, like set the, the vision uh, for the product with me. Mm -hmm. And we hired like the couple of first folks, so, you know, before we reached YT, we were like uh, six, something like that. Right. Um, and we had like, you know, like key uh, key uh, elements of the team that that joined us. So, you know, somebody, uh, Bria, that is still handling customer success, mm -hmm. uh, Law, that is in marketing. Mm. Um, uh, our first uh, two seniors developers. Uh, so, you know, we had like a proper team in a year and that's allowed us to launch a product really fast. Like we launched the first product in private beta in six months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like it was really, really beta-ish. Like, you know, okay. I, I, we actually had a private alpha before that where we lost content of documents. Okay. Uh, you know, like really with close friends. And so we were like really sorry about that. And we, you know, did super super heavy support and i'm talking about you know maybe a handful of, of teams no. uh and and we're you know able to launch in private beta in six months eight months to open to really a lot of teams mm -hmm. and so we reached um our first year anniversary with something like uh, 50 teams actively using slides oh, that's nice and 
yeah, which was like really awesome. And and among those, we had one team that was at the time eighty people that replaced Confluence with Slack, and wow. that was uh, a trigger moment where we thought, okay, you know, like this is not just an attack for teams. Like this team chose to replace Confluence with a product that lacks a lot of features versus Confluence. Like we didn't have any structure. Um, like the sorting options were awful. You had like really, really limited formatting in the document. You couldn't even comment, I think. You didn't have mobile. Like, you know, so many things that were lacking. Mm -hmm. And still we thought that a simple UX and the really kind of bare bone simplicity of styles uh, appealed them enough to switch from, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a tool that, that uh, you know, made its, its proofs, right? Mm -hmm. It's proof. Um, and so we, we launched that. And when we reached at YC, we actually, it was the exact time. Like, no, not when we, re when we got in accepted by YC. So, you know, like uh, two months before joining the actual program, mm -hmm. it was the exact moment where we launched publicly um, on product tents and, you know, a bit everywhere. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, this was kind of the end of the, the first uh, beta-ish year where right. we just, you know, really manually onboarded teams, just reached out to all of our network, did like just constant, constant support and so on. It, it kind of, you know, prolonged, prolonged a bit after, but this was like really this kind of intense uh, beta, beta phase. Interesting. So w when you say that, uh, you know, th th this sounds very interesting, you know, just growing the product a bit, trying a alpha, then going with the beta version of it. So was YC always on the cards at the end of this? Or did you, after a very successful beta launch, you were like, yes, now uh, I need to go to the best accelerator there is and YC is the way to go ahead? Was, was that something that you decided at the end or was it always a view to have YC on your uh, you know, journey? Uh, so I, I think that there is something that is interesting today because people say, you know, like, should I do YC or, or you know, like uh, they decide to go to YC or, you know, like I hear a lot that uh, mm -hmm. at the time, at least it was not the case. Like it was, you know, like we'll try to go to YC <laughs> and if we're lucky enough, you know, like if we really rock it, like we will get there. Like they, they, they accept, uh, if I remember correctly, like 1% of the application. So yeah, it so was, easy, yeah. it was uh, yeah, it was really not easy. And on top of that, uh, you know, like I was uh, considered as sort of founder because, you know, Pierre joined me after and uh, um, like a lot of things that are, I don't know, there, are, there were a few things that just made it like not that necessarily easy to get into YC. Yeah. Uh, what we said and, and, and the full story was that I was in San Francisco. I actually scheduled uh, my a trip to San Francisco for three weeks and I scheduled it to be synchronous, uh, you know, in, in sync with the uh, YC interview. Yeah. And I ended up having it while I was there raising money. Mm -hmm. And I basically went to the, the interview, got the reply. So, you know, they, they, they call you at the end of the day if you, yeah. if you, you are in. Mm -hmm. And so I basically got in and I was able to say to all the investors that were, you know, like ready to put money. Uh, well, you know, let's hold up a bit. Mm -hmm. And the reason for which I, I tell you that is that from a European uh, entrepreneur like me, mm -hmm. uh, the valuation that we got uh, before and after YC was actually worse on its own, the 7% that they are taking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this, they take 7% of equity, yeah. but just by mere change of valuation that they, they, they bring by their, you know, reputation, mm -hmm. uh, it is worth going through YC, even if they take this amount of equity. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of like the, 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 you know, like without even thinking, like this was enough for me, you know, like this plus the, the personal 
growth that I would have by going to the program was enough to justify uh, going there. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, you know, like I got obviously much more from that, like a great relationship. Uh, we brought the whole team there. So it was like a really, really interesting experience as well. Um, you know, best mentors ever. I, you know, like partners at YC are the best, uh, the smartest folks that mm -hmm. you can find mm -hmm. on, on really everywhere. So, yeah. oh, that's super insight, actually, especially the part where you mentioned uh, the 7% equity that they take is, you know, far worth because the valuation you get later is uh, going to compensate for it. So that, that's a great insight by itself. Uh, so how has how uh, growing the startup changed ever since you took on YC and even the other kind of investment that poured in? I'm sure the first first year where you were just, you know, intensely building the product versus after would have been vastly different. So just want to get a flavor of that as well. Uh, I, th I don't think it's connected to the rounds, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think it's really connected to more the product and, and how the, the market evolves, uh, in, you know, For sure. facing with the product. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it did change dramatically uh, on my end uh, because I, you know, first developed the first version technically of the, the app, then I had Pierre, so, you know, I really focused on product. Um, and then with the years, you know, I started to focus more and more on hiring and marketing things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it, it just evolved, like, but just like as any startups, right? Like it just, uh, the, the story of a five people startup versus a 10 people versus a 15, and now we are 20 mm -hmm. is like nothing alike. And I don't expect it to be the same in, you know, when we'll be 40 uh, <laughs> and so on. Like it just, like nothing related to YC really. Like I, I actually think that it's, everybody expects YC to be like this explosion moment. Yeah. And there are a few stories that show that, right? Like uh, one of those is uh, Checker, that mm -hmm. is uh, a YC startup from 2016 or 14, I don't remember, like that exploded during the batch, like just like okay. literally exploded. They basically closed Uber, so they are, a company um, making, uh, if I recall correctly, ID verification as a service, mm -hmm. and they became the first provider of Uber. Okay. And so, you know, like they had instantly like 20 million of revenue or something like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, you know, like one of the stories where during the batch, the thing just, you know, uh, went like totally off, like it's, you know, mm. absolutely insane story. Right. Uh, but this doesn't happen to many companies. Like, uh, if you look at the world batch, you have like a you know good chunk that gets to seed stage, a good, a, a really small chunk actually, like maybe five percent of each batch that uh, raise an A. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at the world companies that actually uh, are successful today, a lot of them are YC, but you didn't know that because they attended YC like really long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like one of those, like recently that I just like realized that it was a YC company was Webflow, which is a really, really good one. And they are really taking off right now. Yeah. Well, you know, they attended YC since like, you know, 2010 or 12, like really a long time ago. Oh, um, even I didn't know Webflow was a YC company actually. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you have so many of those like, uh, and, and uh, so yeah, the, the, the point being that, you know, like uh, to, people expect YC to be a launchpad mm -hmm. and it's, it's, you know, like, some companies reach YC program at the exact moment where, you know, their growth can kick in. Mm -hmm. But some, and it was our case, uh, uh, you know, like they can have a good growth. Uh, the, the, you know, it will, you know, raise their business because, you know, 
um, they, they will have uh, some kind of, you know, vitamins, right? Like, you know, they will launch on Acker News and be, you know, uh, launch on TechCrunch. You will have demo days that will bring in like new leads, these kind of things, but yeah. will not necessarily be the kind of huge explosion of growth that you would expect. Yeah. And and that's fine, you know, like it just can't happen for every company. It really depends on your stage and status when you arrived in the program. Agree, agree, totally agree, Chris. So just coming also into the remote aspect of Slight Red, which is a big part of it as well. So you're, you're frankly the first company on our show where uh, you guys started as a co-located company, then you went into a sort of hybrid and now you're a total, in a totally remote setting. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, case study by itself. So okay, can you just give me firstly a timeline of how these transitions mm -hmm. happen and then maybe we could just explore it a bit more in detail? Yeah, absolutely. So it was not a super conscious move at first. Mm -hmm. uh, we just launched a company. Um, so so Pierre, when he joined, uh, joined me, was in um, in another French city, Bordeaux. I was in Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found our first uh, developer, um, uh, Arnaud, that was living in another French city. And, and, you know, I was like, you know, obviously it's not a problem. Like, I, I don't care. Like, he was like um, one hour of train away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was really, really easy for him to come to Paris if he needed. Right. And so what we started to do was, okay, you know, like, let's just, you know, work like that. And we had still a Paris office where I brought in, like, a few other folks. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we just, you know, because I was used to work in an office, I just, you know, started like that because we saw folks that needed to work from somewhere else. Like, yeah, you know, Arno had bought a home in Tours, for instance, and he had his wife that was working there. Okay, you know. I was like, I really didn't care about that. Like I was convinced that it could work, especially for a small startup to work this way. Mm -hmm. So we just went, you know, we didn't overthink it. Like we just started this way. And, and as we grew, we actually had a lot of people in the various office mm -hmm. until the seed run NYC. Mm -hmm. And from the, the seed run moment, we actually had people that started to leave the various office because they wanted to have like, you know, like to live somewhere else and so on. And we only hired people in remote. And it was not... Uh, you know, like conscious either. Yeah. Like it was just, you know, what happened is that we had the world, world, world uh, you know, available as our opportunity and, right. uh, and and we were looking for the best people. So we just, you know, for instance, uh, we hired Rob, that is uh, um, one of our, design, our product designer. Mm -hmm. uh, he was working in Korea. Like I, I just followed the, the the blog that he wrote, that he, you know, he, he, he still they keep writing, which is called Underglass, which is a product design blog. Mm -hmm. And I was really a fan of his content. And so, you know, like I just thought, okay, you know, why should I restrain myself from trying to reach out to him and, and see if he, he will be interesting in joining Stite? Mm. And so I just, you know, like had this incredible luck of being able to just, you know, like the the guy. I, I found his content super inspiring. He was obviously a great product designer. Right. Uh, I was able to just reach out, right? Like right. it's it's an awesome opportunity. So we just grew this way. And at some point we had this. Uh, so we still have a lot of gathering physical. Right. Um, and so we had an office that was able to host us when we were all in Paris. Right. Uh, so, you know, we're like maybe 14 at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at the same time, it's, uh, you know, like on a day-to-day -day basis, we were like, uh, you know, we're supposed to be uh, six people in Paris and we were really like three of us every day in the office. <laughs> so it was, you know, like really a waste of money. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, so, you know, we we just decided at some point, okay, you know, like everybody is in room, like let's, let's you know, go all in in that. And yeah, I wouldn't turn back. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
No, the ever. power of hiring talent globally is just is just amazing, isn't it? As in being able to hire anyone from anywhere does give you a certain power, and of course, you get to work with the best people in each of these domains. So that's really cool. But yeah. At, at a certain level, you also need to be intentional about doing certain things differently if you're in a remote setting versus you're not. Yeah. So while Definitely. these transitions did happen a little unintentionally, there would have been certain intentional uh, setups or structures that you might have had to put. Oh, yeah. So what were those challenges that you faced maybe as these things started happening and how did you solve for them? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Now, definitely, like, uh, you know, I was saying that it was unconscious, but uh, we, because we had people partly in, rem you know, like we had part of the team in remote, we actually made all this transition. Like, you know, uh, obviously we are building Slide and it's uh, an amazing tool for that, but everything is documented. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, like whatever information you are looking for, it will be in Slide, whether, you know, it's a meeting note or how to do something, you know, I don't know, handbook. Um, uh, you know, the status of a project, uh, yeah. um, you know, product spec or whatever, like, so, so this was something that was already covered. We had a good, good, uh, you know, communication pace on Slack. Uh, you know, we used the right tool. Like uh, we had, uh, you know, a lot of one ones. Uh, I, there are a lot of tools that we use for remote to make it work, and we add them before we made the the full transition. Mm -hmm. um, frankly, I, I I think we expected it to be harder than it was. Like the full transition, we had just, mm -hmm. you know. As I say, we were six in the Parisian office, yeah. and we just say to these people, okay, you know, now we, you, you come to the office maybe one every other day. Mm -hmm. Now you will just not come to it at all, and you can take a co-working, we'll pay for it, or you can take a home setup, we'll pay for it. Yeah. And it was actually the only friction that we had was that, like just, you know, people that just get used to a new setup. Yeah. Uh, and it would be interesting to ask them, but I, I you know, like uh, I, I talked to, of that in one one with them frequently, and it's really not something that they, like, they are all happy with the current setup. Super, super. Yeah. And as a remote team yourself, and uh, also as a product that solves for remote teams, what is that one offering you think that is still missing in the portfolio of remote products or the products that serve for remote teams that that you think is still missing in the market at the moment? Uh, I'm really uh, curious of having your tech because uh, you are from remote as well. Um, mm -hmm. uh, to to me, there are like two uh, things that are first. Like there is a structural thing that is probably the most important, which is uh, on uh, hiring, mm -hmm. and I know it's connected to your job as well. Mm -hmm. um, when you hire like everywhere in the world, it's actually a pain in the ass because you don't have structure there, so you don't sure. you can't hire them properly. So either you go through what's called PEOs. I don't remember what the acronym stands for. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, you know, like a way to pro professional employer organization. So basically you have like a, a company that yes. you pay to right. hire the person uh, mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, like a, on a uh, contractual basis of sorts. Exactly. Instead of you. Right. And yeah. uh, so you're sure that the person will have the right social security and pay for their yeah. retirement, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the problem is that costs a huge amount of money so mm -hmm. it works when you are in countries that are have you know wages way inferior to what you are used to pay mm -hmm. but uh in europe for instance it's just you know you pay an extra 25 percent to the, the the salary it's just too much mm. um so this is like a huge pain uh to solve mm -hmm. and the way to solve it today is to pay people as contractors yeah. Uh, so you know you have platform like uh, Let's Deal that is really great that does that. For instance, the problem is that it's it's a shady you know it's it's a shady move like it's a gray area. Yeah. Uh, um, you don't 
you know, these people are not actually contractors. They're actually, you know, like they are not employee as well, but, you know, like they are kind of in this in between. Yeah. And so you can, you know, give them an uplift of salary to, to cover their uh, health care and so on. But you have a lot of questions that come in the way, like if somebody gets pregnant, what yeah. happens, right? Like, right. do you give them, you know, like a, a maternity or paternity leave? Yeah. And if so, based on which country, right? Because I can hire somebody in Finland and maybe paternity leave there is two years. Yeah. And, you know, like, do we want to give that to this person and something else to another person that is somewhere else? So mm. that's, that's probably like just the, the easiness of, you know, hiring somebody with the right condition and the right, you know, security for the person mm-hmm. is probably the most structural issue for remote. So it's not, you know, something that you feel on the day-to-day basis, but it's really, really important. Yeah. And the second thing is uh, creativity, like whiteboarding and so on. Like it's, it's still a mess in remote. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. What, what's yours? What's the thing that you feel uh, are still missing? Yeah, I think, no, no, the, firstly, those two points are pretty great. I think hiring is still something that people are solving for. I think currently the major point being only around job boards, which are just aggregating candidates and bringing them to you is not enough. I think there needs to be something yeah. a little more nuanced to be able to source candidates. I think that is one aspect of remote work, I think, which will develop as it moves on. Uh, the other part, which I think really needs to happen on an individual level, right? As in, uh, while we start to sort of have our own spaces when we uh, start working remotely, we also uh, need to have some kind of belonging to some kind of uh, community of sorts, right? Like when you go to mm. an office, you have a belonging to the people of the office. Yeah. And, and as much as a company builds a remote work culture, I think there needs to be something better or that people can offer. I'm still not sure what that would be because mm. I still think there is a certain mental health aspect to remote working which is still not being entirely addressed probably because remote working is not being spoken about at that level yet, right? So yeah. once that, uh, you know remote working becomes even more common than it is today, I think the mental health aspect of it also will become uh, something that needs to be clearly addressed and there needs to be some kind of a structure, some kind of an offering which would probably address that aspect of it as well. So I think yeah. uh, while we continue to talk of uh, things which would solve for companies, I think even from an individual perspective, uh, that is something that I would be really interested to see what comes up in the market. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it solves it entirely, but uh, a thing that I had like uh, an advice that I received from an entrepreneur and it's not connected to remote working really, really early on was to do, re- uh, you know, one-on-ones with a lot of pe- as many people as I could. Mm-hmm as often as I could, like, you know, like, uh, he was basically uh, in favor of saying that one-on-ones were the, the, the most, uh, you know, profitable meetings that I could have uh, ever. Sure. And so I, I did that, like, I have, like, one-on-ones with still everybody in the team at least once a month if I don't want work with the people directly. Right. And with, uh, you know, like, all the people that I interact with, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. I have that every at least two weeks for one, uh, you know, half uh, an hour. Mm-hmm. And everything that is in this one once, so we prepare them in advance. We write a lot of things. It can be connected a bit to work, but it's not work session. So it's it's a lot connected to how do you feel in the company? How do you feel in the setup? You know, what's missing? These kind of things. Right. And I do feel it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, uh, uh, how do you say that, psychoanalysis? Um, yeah. but, but, but it does, I think it does fix a bit what you are evocating. Like it does have this kind of advantage of make, you know, having a, just to check on on people, right? Like sure. you know, like are people doing good? 
you know, is there anything in the setup that is lacking? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's already a huge step, I think. No, no, for sure. No, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of you as the founder being sure of or having a pulse on what each and every person in the team is feeling. And I think that's a very important aspect of it. And I think if there's, there could be a way for you as a founder to systemically solve it, right? Other than having one-on-ones, if there's a, there was yeah. an offering where you could say, guys, subscribe to such a thing and then you could probably engage with people in such and such way and it would probably just you as a founder would be a little more relaxed around the fact that your employees are happier even when they are remote you know they would have well, a mode of engagement that's what i was thinking about no i i like i like the systemic aspect of it mm-hmm. like uh, you know the, the the idea of saying okay you know as you say this is not scalable like you know like having uh, the founder like speaking with everybody exactly. obviously like this is something that's, you know, for instance, for all the developers, I expect uh, Pierre, that is their manager, or yeah. at least of most of them, uh, still uh, to to handle this part, and Mike, my VPP product, to do that with product people. Yeah. So you know, like it, it's you know, the way to make it scale to me, it's just to um, be sure that no part of the company is uh, interacting with uh, too many people, and that in all this interaction, you have somebody that is, you know, checking on you. No, so you know like I, I, i'm checking on pierre i'm checking on mike and they are checking on me and you know pierre will be checking on developers and so on so it's just uh, you know it can be manager honestly I, I kind of feel that it's not necessarily the manager that would have this role yeah um but yeah like I, i'm not sure if like we do actually pay for uh you know like headspace or this kind of apps if yeah. people want but uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not sure if it's uh, you know like i'm not sure if that can be solved this you know it's kind of because it's so close to you know your personal life like it's just you know what you will spend the most of your time on right you need to have something that is tailored and that is uh connected to your every day work right no no totally uh, no it's not an easy problem to solve and i've sort of quoted a very generic problem there as well but it's just something that i see as a very uh, you know byproduct of starting to work remotely on a larger scale uh, which probably we didn't face as much when everyone was just present in a co-located space. But yes, uh, we'll, we'll see really uh, interesting and I think innovative ways of tackling it as we move into the future that I'm pretty sure of. And uh, that sort of brings me to uh, my next question as well. So as you start to scale, uh, and you told me some really interesting goals for you in the next 12 months as well, uh, where you really want to scale the marketing and the distribution aspect of it. Mm. How are you going to be, uh, you know, achieving it? Uh, also, be having a remote setup. So, how how is all of this going to add up? What is your vision for that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like our bottleneck right now is acquisition and uh, a few uh, gross optimization. And so, you know, uh, the way to solve it is actually fairly easy. Like we have a team that is already good, you know, internally. It's just understaffed. So. Right. Um, you know, like typically we are close, we are like on the verge of closing our head of growth position right now. So this is like a big, big one to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like my goal is basically, you know, like uh, I, I felt this situation. So, so, so there are two ways of hiring, or at least two ways that I, I, I you know, to, to just to be a bit, uh, you know, black and white, to, 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 you know, draw a black and white picture of, of mm-hmm. that. Like there is like two ways of hiring. Either you start with uh, junior people, it's easy to hire. You mm. just say, you know, like uh, we want somebody that wants to handle our marketing or whatever. They are not specialists, so they they just, you know, say, yeah, you know, like this uh, is interesting, and they will learn a bit by themselves, and you will grow that that way. And and uh, to me, it's you know, it's not bad, but it's just that you are, um, you so, can't mentor this person. Yeah. And they want to have as much impact as you expect, or at least as I expect. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other end, the other way to, where to start a team is to find somebody that has done that already, mm-hmm. but is not in the position where they want, uh, you know, like a super high management position, not mm. too high at least, you know, you don't want a CMO typically. Yeah. Uh, because they would be alone or, you know, almost alone in the team at first. So you need this person to execute uh, and to be hands on. So, you know, it's kind of finding this right in between uh, of person that is able to execute, that understand the stuff, could coach people and could grow as a leader uh, after. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the, the holy grail that I'm looking for in marketing, growth, product, product marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, like finding uh, this skill is uh is by far the biggest challenge that i have in 2020 but i think i've you know very likely found at least uh one of them super <clears throat> super chris congrats on that and uh you know there's so much more that i want to keep talking to you about but uh we come to the last segment of the show uh which is more around i as i would like to call the philosophical questions so mm-hmm. let, let me ask you those uh the first one is what is one piece of advice you would give your 22 year old self I actually like uh, scanned like you know two minutes before the call. Why why twenty two? So typically twenty two because I that's about the age when you graduate from college and you're just okay. about to embark on your career. So something that you would tell yourself at that point of time to educate them on what to expect or uh, you know some some skills or uh, that you think would have helped that person do better. It's a hard question, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Because, you know, like, I, I don't have any regrets, really, so. No, that's all right. We All of us evolve as, as, we, as we grow as well, don't we? As in, you as an entrepreneur also have evolved over the past years, of course. There's no, there's no sort of regret needed, you know, when you advise someone. But no, 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 I, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. What I'm thinking is kind of like, you know, if I know, I know that, that uh, I actually, it was not me 29 years old, like speaking to my 22 years old, but my, you know, like just after a month of my first startup, I know that I had like a really, really clear lesson and it's something that I keep telling myself. Uh, and it's really something that you hear a lot of time, which is around uh, learning to let go and to ask for help. Mm. And how much this, you know, like I, I'm the kind of person that can do a lot of things. Like I'm, I'm a decent uh, developer. Um, I can design I can ship product on my own and I, I, you know, like I'm not the best, but I can try to market it or communicate on it. Mm-hmm. And so I have this tendency of, you know, trying to master everything to, uh, uh, I don't know, just, uh, just because it's, it seems easier Yeah. and it's true when you are alone, right? Like it's, it's, it's really true. Like, you know, finding people to do that, uh, instead of you, when you have uh, no resources, uh, you know, no credits, knowledge you may see is actually probably a bad idea. <laughs> but as I grew, I kind of realized, like first in my first adventures, that I needed to let a part of the job go to my co-founder at the time, and so this was a big uh, lesson. And and as I you know grew in my career, like I realized that this is true for more and more things. Like right now, I, I left the baby, the product, so my baby, uh, to Mike of the <laughs> product, and yeah. this was like a big lesson, you know, like which was obvious. Like when I hired Mike, I knew that, and I you know was aware that I was taking this decision of letting the thing go to him and I couldn't uh, be, you know, like micromanaging or giving, uh, you know, too, many, too much direction and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And this applies to a lot of things. Like I just start to be, you know, way more asking questions than trying to answer them. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, trying to, to ask for help or to delegate more than doing myself. And, you know, this is an ever 
it's not really an advice. It's more, you know, like, uh, you know, be really um, dangerously aware that, you know, there is a middle ground between what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to delegate yeah. and be really aware of, you know, what people can't do instead of you and yeah. uh, what you, you shouldn't be doing instead of the others. No, very well put, very well put, Chris, because this is some, some problem that I face myself as well, you know, so because there's always a tendency to do something all by yourself because, you know, at that point of time, you know, all the variables lie within you, right? So the moment yeah. you sort of give it to someone else, there is a certain reliance on someone else and there is that, uh, you know, hesitance that comes along with it as well. So yeah, yeah. that is something that you have got to learn as you as you grow and that's great advice for sure. And the other yeah. question I have for you is, what is one piece of advice you were given that has worked out extremely well for you? <laughs> I may, maybe I don't, I don't listen to that. I have like a really bad memory. So that's also, you know, like a big thing. Wait, no, no, no. I know, I know, I know. I know. Uh... <laughs> so you've had some great partners, haven't you? Whether it be investors, friends, uh, co-founders. So something that someone might have, you know, imparted which you felt was really impactful in the way things have shaped up around you. I mean, I mean, obviously the best advice is our personal, right? Like it's not about like the business or whatever. Like I've had like countless, like awesome advice on how to run slides, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know what to focus on these kind of things. Uh, no, I, I know that, uh, you know, the, the, the best, uh, the best advice I had were like without any doubts, uh, from, um, from Pierre, my co-founder. And and I had like we basically have this one one so this moment that we have like every every week mm -hmm. we have one hour where we just do ping pong on a lot of topics. Okay. And uh, you just you know like uh, we we just keep challenging each other and it's like a really 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 good uh, way to grow. Okay. And I I think I think uh, yeah I'm pro probably like the, one of the biggest thing is. Uh, I'm a passionate person and I have this, uh, you know, I care, I really care deeply for people, but I'm Latin. And so sometimes I just, I just, uh, and it was probably more in the past than today. Like I really changed on that, but I, I was, you know, quick to kind of react, to react, uh, to just show how frustrated I was yeah. uh, side when mm -hmm. I had negative feedback to give. Right. And so I don't think it was one single piece of advice, but it was just, you know, we formed each other with uh, Pierre to, you know, give fast uh, and, and kind of objective and kind of, you know, like without non-emotional negative feedback. Right. And, and this is like something that just changed the way you, when you manage to give a feedback and get the person to react saying, oh, you know, like, I didn't know that, or, you know, oh, this is like so clear, indeed, it will help me grow. Uh, this is, you know, the best uh, service that you can give yourself and, and the company. So, yeah. Yeah, love that. Love that. Oh, great. And uh, probably that's something that uh, I should do with my co-founders as well. Have a one-hour session where we just keep doing a bit of ping-pong on various ideas. That's, that's uh, a great input for me as well, Chris. Thanks for that. I really recommend that. Like, uh, you know, like do, do uh, you know, put a, a one-one preparation document in your private docs. So something mm -hmm. that is just that you can feed. Uh, every every day or every mm -hmm. week, I just have like this document, okay. all the list of people in slides, and I just put like things under. And okay. sometimes I just put something like you know in the moment, uh, it felt a good idea to say that. Right. But uh, when I'm rereading re it, I'm like, okay, this is not put the right way, or you know, not dedicated enough, or you know, not just something that is interesting or whatever. So you know, like you give yourself a bit of uh, uh, lag to kind of prepare that the right way. 
Sure. And uh, and then you just have like a personal channel with the person, and you just uh, have this discussion that you can prepare a bit in advance. Like it's 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 uh, the best uh, work habit that I've had uh, since the beginning of site. Perfect, Chris. Perfect. Sounds great. It was so much fun talking to you, Chris. Can't can't thank you enough for taking time. I totally wish you and the entire team of site great success. And uh, yeah, totally as a product user, also love it. And looking forward to all the success you guys are going to have. Awesome. Thanks a lot for the time, Karthik.